top of my head, a list of people who have been kicked off Instagram. Myself, Ellie Jean Coffee, Cook of the Day. Me and Ellie Jean actually got kicked off for similar reasons, I'd imagine. Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, and we've got a little bit of a shorter episode for you. That's because there is no stab cusp in this episode or any episode thereafter. Now, don't worry, Stacy G is not going anywhere, and of course we're going to continue to talk about competitive surfing. However, it was just getting a little confusing with sort of two different podcast brands under the same channel. You know, we had the drop, we had the cusp, sometimes they were together, sometimes they were apart. You never really knew what you were going to get. So we're just going to simplify it. Everything on the Stab Podcast channel is now going to be called The Drop. We might even change the channel name to The Drop. But anyway, all you have to know is that you're still going to get your weekly news here. You're still going to get your competitive updates. And yeah, now that all that housekeeping is out of the way, let's talk about this week. Buck's about to come on, and we are going to talk about Stab Highway California, presented by Monster Energy. The finale just dropped on Stab Premium. You can go watch it on the site. We're not going to spoil what happens here. We are going to hype it up a bit because it is very deserving. But yeah, we're also going to talk about the strange board that Kelly Slater wrote at JBay, which was not the one he planned to ride. We're also going to talk about how Kook of the Day got pulled off of Instagram, how there are 35% more surfers in your local lineup today, and two surf sins. It's a small episode, but it packs a big punch. And sorry in advance for my dog's barking. He's a good boy, but he is a little bit misguided. I want to go straight to it. I want to talk about golf. Oh, okay. This is already a departure. Oh, yeah. Or immediately. We're already off the rails. So we're going to talk about this story in a bit. But in this study that was recently done, they talked to 18,000 people. And out of the percentage of the people who said they surfed, 20% of the people who were like, yeah, I surf, said they golf as well. Your thoughts? Uh, 80% of people are blowing it. Ooh, wow. Okay, okay. More than fishing, by the way. Fishing was like just a little bit under that. Oh, salty so. crew just cries one salty tear. Oh, look at it go. Just streaming down the cheeks. So, Buck, I know you've dabbled. You've maybe, you've chased the biscuit a few times, but you're not a golfer. Well, no, I want to let you know I golfed three times this summer already. I had a lot of visitors here in Portugal and I golfed three times. And I got to say, like, I don't understand the, the like, senseless hatred to golf i probably had it at some point it's fun let's be <laughs> yeah. honest it's fun i was but... gonna say you strike me as the most senseless hatred of golf type person <laughs> yeah no it's probably that for i'm 32 so probably about 30 years of my life was like that <laughs> but i went three times uh probably doubling my lifetime numbers of ever golfing and i had fun i think it's like it's almost like a glorified game of like like cards or something. It's like your friend, you're just gonna hang out with your friends, and it's gonna be like a thing you can kind of focus on and talk shit about, right? Like that's that's oh. kind of how I interpreted it. Well, you, you, yeah, but no, you ha- you clearly haven't gotten into it yet because it becomes this really masochistic, like self hatred sort of game where you just can't do anything right, and you go home so sad, and then you get really excited to do it the next day, and then the same thing happens again. It's this really terrible cycle. Well, I did. I brought it up because I wanted to tell you the worst thing about golf. See, I was just saying nice things about it there. The, by far, the worst thing, and I don't know if this is maybe just because I'm new to it and people function at different levels at different, I don't know. But the worst thing about golf is when you just you just don't hit the ball, something horrible happens, and then some of your width is like, oh, 
your your back ankle if you just rotate the ankle a little bit towards the T next time, like that's why they're going to the bushes like that. And then they fucking get up to the thing and their shit's even worse. Can you imagine if surfing was like that? Can you imagine if I was like, oh dude, like, hey, sorry, that floor you tried, it was your front toes and then you just get up and you can't stand up. It's fucking, is that a part of culture like all the way through or am I just a beginner so people are doing this to me? oh that's so brilliant yeah that is very very golf um the thing about golf that i think applies less to surfing is like in surfing you rarely have a professional surfer like blow a takeoff entirely right like an easy tape takeoff not like a below the lip you know late drop sort of thing but like just a simple takeoff and yet in golf uh, golf's just harder than surfing i think from like a like technical perspective it's like you're hitting a small ball with a small club face it's all about millimeters of freaking angle and approach and everything and so like you see a professional golfer they'll shank the ball in a tournament which means you basically hit it off the hosel of the club where the club face meets the shaft and the ball goes rocketing 90 degrees sideways. Like the worst shot you could ever hit in golf, and pros are still doing it. So it's like, yeah, your friend probably does maybe know a little bit of something, but it's really funny when somebody gives you a pointer and then they seemingly can't do the thing themselves. Yeah, well, one thing, did you just say hosel? Yeah, hosel. That's a thing. Wow, incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. That makes surf equipment sound cool. Um <laughs> But just imagine, just imagine somebody blowing that drop and then telling you that like you have to put more weight on your front foot next. It's just insane. So that's that's golf for me, folks. That's golf. All right, should we do surfing now? Let's do surfing now. The final episode of Stab Highway California, presented by Monster Energy, is here. And Mikey, I think it made you cry. You said. Yeah, I I nearly shed a tear when I watched this uh, recently because obviously I was there. Obviously, I you know played a role in setting this whole thing up. But seeing it all come to fruition in the way that it did, and particularly in the way that it was edited by our team, it was like seriously probably the most beautiful narrative storytelling that I've ever seen from Stab. In my opinion, biased of course, but I have to agree. I have to agree. I mean, when we do like stab in the dark especially and we're able to find that sweet spot like pulling out stories from the shapers or the surfer that we're doing like those are really good but just like creating a show in this like it was a reality tv show right like that's what it was we haven't really gone that far that way before and that final episode is a doozy um i've long said that i think it was first for ultimate surfer but um to train for the ultimate surfer, what I would do is I would get stoned and watch Top Chef. And now I'm still, I now I just say I'm training for the next Olympics when I do that. I don't really know why, but that's that's how I train. And so I know that even like talking to you through this process, you were referencing these other shows that like things were getting eliminated. You're figuring out like the, how exactly that was going to happen. And oh, I really just, it hits a moment at the end where it's like, you're just glued. Like, it's, you can't look away, and it's incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, and there's a lot going on in this episode, too. Like, it starts off with a an A-plus level surprise guest um, mm. who, you know, there's a very interesting moment that happens there. There's also a near-death incident um, caught oh, on yeah. camera. Um, seemed kind of funny, but it was, <laughs> it's probably pretty real for the, the one person who is, um, yeah, sort of affected by it. And then 
it ends the way that the whole entire show ends i'm not going to give a spoiler away but just a little tease a little taste but it's not decided by like which team has the most points you know they've been getting points this entire time but what happens is all the points that they've accrued from the first four episodes basically get transferred into seconds and at the end, the last challenge is a relay race between the two final teams. And those seconds that they accrued, like say one team goes into it, you know, with 200 seconds and the other team goes into it with 185 seconds, the team with 200 seconds would have a 15 second head start in that relay race. And yeah, basically, um, again, not to give too much away, but it, it happens at Black's Beach right beneath my, uh, my alma mater at UCSD. And yeah, it's a four-person relay race. It includes running. It includes compiling a new surfboard from scratch. There's a surfing element, and there's more running, and there's so many little things in between that just make it incredible. I can't wait to talk about it in more detail. Uh, we can't spoil it right now, but I can't wait. I just have a lot to say about that final scene, especially there's like one of the most just sad... It's a sad <laughs> moment, in my opinion. You probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, in the spirit of vagueness, you mentioned two other things before, uh, A-list guests, and you mentioned a, kind of a severe incident. Um, to those two things, I'm just going to say, this will all make sense once you watch it, but uh, the first one, A-list guests, I think we might have to bring the asterisk back out if the world title unfolds a certain way this year. And to the second one, I don't think I'm going to be alone in feeling like he kind of had it coming. Um, <laughs> that's all. Oh, wait. You might oh, be. Okay, there's there's two oh. near. De- are there two okay. near death incidents in this episode? I think. Oh yeah, are. yeah. Okay, to that one. Oh wow. Just gonna say, it was one of the more impressive. That was the monster maneuver in my book. Um, <laughs> Garrett, you won the monster maneuver for. Uh... Yeah. So and before that relay race unfolds, you're gonna find out the winners of the monster air, the most peers uh, that were shot, the MVP, and of course, who wins the burrito eating challenge. And those are going to be sort of the last points that go into the system before we figure out which team is going to have a head start, if any. And yeah, then the race unfolds and it's basically 20 minutes of absolute madness. Yeah. And one last thing on this, Netflix in the news lately, they said they're going to come and you know crack down on people sharing passwords. We're not like that, folks. Uh I actually think you're a dick if you have it and your friends ask you for your password and you don't give it to them. So I think even Stace was in a thread with like some random 12-year-olds where they were all trying to figure out how to like funnel their little lawn mowing money into a subscription. So we encourage that. Go watch it. Steal your buddy's password. Steal his identity. Do some bank fraud. Have a good day. Your local is now 35% more crowded than it was before COVID. Is that bad? Uh, Mikey, this wasn't really written to me. This was uh, a study done in the United States of America that we talked about in the intro. And I guess I should ask you, is your is your local 35% more crowd? You feel that? I do, actually. Where is your local? Lenata Bay? Lenata Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that my local is 35% more crowded, but here's, here's the rub for me. I don't know who's running these quote unquote studies nowadays, but to me, this stands in stark contrast to ELO's 643,000% increase in WSL viewership, because you can't be surfing all the time 
and watching surfing all the time. So there's there's something going on here. Ooh, I like that. I didn't think about that yet. But we'll we'll get back to that. Just a few more numbers from the study. So I think I mentioned it in the intro again, but they just called up 18,000 people in the United States and pretty much said, hey, do you surf? And then asked them 100 other questions about what they do. It was done by the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. And they only saw a 16.9% increase in those years in the amount of people who surf once a year or in between one and eight, I guess. They're defining core as eight or more. So, you know, get out there eight times and there you go. You get your core stamp. I guess when it all adds up, that's that's about a million and a half people in the U.S. who surf. I think that seems fair. I mean, all these studies over the years, I think there's been a lot of sketchy ones. Um, even some that I've seen referenced before, I've looked into the organizations that did them and they just, they kind of feel shaky at best this one i don't know calling up eighteen thousand people and asking them if they surf i think that's got to be something that seems more clear than some of the other ones so this does feel accurate because there's other ones saying you know a few hundred million across the world and all that 1.5 in the u.s feels like a nice comfortable number to me um were they just calling people in coastal states no no throughout the country has the Hmm. the report has like a full state by state breakdown i think i haven't looked that closely at the states because pretty much what you'd imagine but um, the whole country, and yeah, I guess I guess maybe the people that don't surf in the middle of the country are the ones watching the WSL. That was Elo's plan all along, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so I have some broader thoughts on this. So yes, I have seen an increase in the number of people that are out there, but you can very clearly tell who the new people are. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's some sort of like look to somebody who started surfing a little bit later in life. And it's not necessarily like based on skill level, because I know people that have been surfing forever and ever, and they suck so badly. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of these new people would beat them, you know, in a WSL heat. But there's just like this, it's almost like a jockier approach to surfing. Um, in some places, you might call them a snow bro. And we heard that in a previous podcast, it's, and we'll hear oh, that yeah. referenced later on today. But it's like they just have like no rhythm or feel for what the ocean is doing. Like they can get up and they can do a turn, but it just it doesn't look like they're connected. You know what I mean? Like they just I guess what I'm trying to say, though, is if these people are a problem for you, like people are complaining like, oh, the lineups are so crowded, blah, blah, blah. There's all these 35 percent more people. But if these people are a problem for you, then I think that's a problem with yourself, because if you can't figure out how to get waves around these people, then you're doing something wrong, and you probably have not been surfing your entire life either. That's a really good take. I like that a lot. I've always, I've always said, like sometimes, especially in the summer when it's crowded, uh, where I used to live, especially, I'd go to this one wave that had like just had rocks in it, not like Mason Huthers a shelf, but like there's just a few <laughs> here and there, and people would be like, "Well, that's like a weird place to surf," but I always get to surf it alone because nobody else. And I said, well, "You just, you just have to be faster than a rock." It's not that hard. <laughs> and so it's kind of similar there. Just be better than them at reading the ocean and getting waves. Be fitter and better at reading the ocean and you're going to be fine. Yeah, it's really it's really not that big of a problem. Um, but it is it is crazy. I, I don't know how to explain it, but like you just see these people and you know that they have not been surfing for very long, even if they are like quote unquote skilled at it, you know, like or, uh, skilled enough. I know what you mean. Exactly. It's like, it's a mixture of where they sit and even how they like react to like a set coming or something, you know, it's, I, I yeah, 100% exactly. can see that. Yeah. Just the whole thing. It's a stench really. Um, 
Anyway, this piece breaks down the report even more and it also lays out what are the pros of that? What are the pros of more people surfing for the people who have already been surfing and might not uh, might complain because uh, Mark Zuckerberg is stealing waves from you? Um, well, look at this Zuck here too. He's coming up fast. But in the comments of this article, which you should read, we had a surf sin brought to us. And I want to bring it up here because we do have a surf sin for later. So I want to bring it up here and... Let's hear it. I'm going to have to read it. Okay, so this is from Uncle Kyle, and he says, I saw a guy combing his hair in the car park in my local yesterday after his surf in preparation for a Zoom call. And he put Zoom call in quotation marks, which I like. I feel like he probably doesn't hear him Zoom a lot. And like, that's funny <laughs> to me. Uh, I know this because I hooted at him in shock that he'd snagged the comb from his car and get to work before he even got his suit off. I was baffled, frazzled, borderline offended by his jest. Most people at this locale don't even change up at the lot, yet here he is lugging his sweaty nuts up the trail in his wetsuit, only to comb his gosh darn hair before ditching the rubber. And so my thoughts on this. Uh, might offend a few people here, but if you have one of the portable shower kits, that's already stepped too far for me. Uh, don't do that. Combing your hair after a surf in a, in a place like this, I mean, I'm asked to provide a penance, but really if you look at what a penance is, it's it's for sins that are forgivable. This, not forgivable for me. So all I'm going to say is this guy, there's no hope for him. The only thing I could say is I could recommend, I could recommend a book to him. Um, look him up. This guy is named Dante, and he's wrote a book called Inferno. Um, just give that a read and get familiar with it because that's where you're going. Yeah, so are we sure this isn't Elo? Because remember in your interview, he said that he didn't uh, even wash the salt out of his hair before he got ready for his meetings. So It could be him, but he does strike me as a rinse kit guy. On that, um, sh the, the actual shower version, I, I get that that's off limits. What about just a, you know, a jug? You good with a jug? Jug's fine. Okay. Jug's fine. Jug's fine. Cool. How Kook of the Day got kicked off Instagram. I have some personal experience here. Um, off the top of my head, a list of people who have been kicked off Instagram. Myself, Ellie Jean Coffee, Kook of the Day. A pretty good group there. We could start a band maybe. Uh, me and Ellie Jean actually got kicked off for similar reasons, I'd imagine. But anyway, Kook of the Day with over a million followers got booted from Instagram. And isn't that a shame? I mean, they have a backup account that's doing all right, but... It made me realize just how good of a service Kook of the Day is providing to us all. Like, it's just, you laugh. You go on there and you just laugh. And especially with the, the last story we talked about, surfing getting more and more popular and there being more and more beginners to get things really wrong and amuse all of us. I really just, it's funny. And they got kicked off. Not even sure why. You know, we talked to the founder about it in this interview and He's unclear about it. He's trying to get the account back. It's been a little bit. He said there's a little bit of hope, but it could just be gone forever, so you'd have to follow his backup. But sad times. Sad times when you see somebody get sucked. Yeah, well, I think to your point, like they're doing way more of a public service than anything. And 
like he said that one of the reasons they may have gotten kicked off is they didn't necessarily have the right credits for every video and stuff but it's not like they're like making money off of this you know like if your video gets featured on there it's like a badge of honor whether it's you in it or you behind the lens yeah exactly and i even looked it up before just simple google how much can you make on instagram if you have a million followers somebody told me 670 dollars for us somebody said 10k so uh bit of a range there but in the interview he talks about monetization and he says like we just never really did ads like it just felt weird for us and he does some merch but even that he's like just self-promotion felt weird self-promotion is kooky that's why a lot of people hate vlogs you know and so it really is just like a public service for all of us to come and laugh and it got sucked because probably because somebody got mad about their credits or he said he also said when he goes near uh like medina or something he gets a lot of brazilian hate and he thinks he's probably been just flagged a lot for anything he shared there um so sure instagram looked at it it was like dude you have like a hundred violations from people mad at you but you have a million people who love you and um i wish that balance was was considered before he just got the boot oh it's actually negativity bias which you can read about in the uh 35 article we focus more on, you know, we get 10 positive comments and one negative one will sort of stew on the negative one. It looks like Instagram's living that lie. Yeah, come on, Zuck. Let him back. Let him back. Let Ellie Jean back. Let us all back. Let us play, Zuck. Culture Shifters, Michael Lynch. So, Culture Shifters is back. This is something we've been doing at Stab for a while. You might remember some of the older ones. We did Saturdays, Morgan Collette. Jake Burkhardt from Vice, Foster Hinden, who accidentally created Van Life, a gentleman named Scott Tratner, who was at Facebook for a while, and now I believe he's at Airbnb, very high up, VP, creative director or something. Uh, and now we have Michael Lynch, a shaper and clothing designer, or at least clothing brand owner, from San Diego. It's a lovely watch. Buck, this might come as a surprise to you. I'm not a very cultured person. Some might call mm. me a Philistine Others might just call me a person from Philadelphia, which is also true. But, you know, I like yeah. shorts. I don't like shirts. Um, no. I, I have simple tastes. And I, I tend to hop on trends a good two to three years after they're relevant. That's kind of, you know, the lane that I stay in. You let the train leave the station first. Yeah. Yeah. You're the guy when when somebody stylish sees you wearing it, you're like, okay, now I need a new thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So as a result, I feel like I have like zero visibility on like this side of surfing, which is sort of like the trendy, cool side and these like characters that are actually probably pushing us into new trends and ideas. And as a result, I didn't really know who Michael Lynch or his brands Imperfect were before watching this. And after watching it, I am so glad that I do now because he seems like a really fucking awesome person. He's so well-spoken, like... Even the brand itself, like I tend to think that these trendy brands are kind of like try hard and they just sell expensive shit to people who don't really have an identity and try to sort of drape themselves in these cool items to feel like a better person. But this is like the the brand has a legitimate story and a concept behind it. And I would have known absolutely none of it had I not watched this film. So yeah, a little pat on the back to our creative team at Stab who do like these things because they nailed it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm. It's no surprise. I'm pretty bad with this stuff too. 
I mean, I'm 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 a one-eyed pirate who's been hit by a car. <laughs> um, and also from New Jersey, so really just tough. <laughs> tough. <laughs> uh, but I felt the same way. I was like, I I want I want some clothes. I think it looks sick, and he does just he's a charismatic guy. And it's just cool. It's cool that we have stuff like this in our space now. These boards look fun. The clothes look cool. And I'm happy for the rest of the people at STAB to make Mikey and I aware of nice things. (laughs) Kelly Slater competed on a board he grabbed off the rack of a J-Bay surf shop. So a lot of people don't know this. But Kelly Slater has actually been in South Africa since he hurt his foot there in 2017. He hasn't left. Um, but he misplaced his surfboards. That's not true, folks. He was in Bali until until about an hour before the event this year. That's less of an exaggeration. That's actually not a joke. We got an email from Ryan Miller this week who was there shooting J-Bay. And I'm going to read a line from it. Well, to give you some context, the first half of the email is him hyping up how good he is at uh, finding the best flights and especially getting people to sit in the front of the plane up there first. South Africa is a long journey for everybody not named Jordy. So Miller, great travel agent, so much so that his email reads, The other night, the GOAT called me in a panic from the Bali airport asking what flight he should be on to get there on in time for his seat. This guy has spent more hours on a plane than I have spent holding a camera in my hand Right then, I knew this was my true calling in life. So Kelly's in Bali. He's scrambling to get a flight, calling Ryan Miller, finds a flight, gets there. He had left 11 boards at somebody's house, can't find them. Oh, shit. Now I need to go pull a random Slayer Designs off the surf shop. And that's what he was on when he was out there competing. Ain't that something? (laughs) I mean, it's like, imagine being the best bowler in the world and you show up and your ball's not there and you just got to grab one off the rack. Like, yeah, you're still a really good bowler, but you're not going to be able to do what you can do on your normal board. I mean, he had apparently had 11 boards there that they tracked him down eventually. They just weren't where he thought he left them, uh, but still resulted in this scramble. And he was able to ride a board from Bali when the on the first day before the swell picked up. And then the swell got massive and he was like, fuck, I need a board. So he grabbed one from a surf shop called Country Feeling. It was an FRK model. And a commenter actually pointed this out on our site. But it was a five-finned future board, Um, which I think I said this in the comments too. I think five-finned boards are the worst thing that's ever happened in surfing. (laughs) I fucking hate them. I think they're hideous. Just be an adult. Get a thruster or a quad. It's not that hard. Um and although I like futures, I think I, maybe it's just my head that the five fin boards look worse, but I just cannot stand it. And so, like, he's mm. he wrote as a thruster, you see these just things in there. And I'm like, that almost jarred me the worst about it. It's no wonder he lost to Jack Robinson in round three, even though that was, you know, Jack at a nine at the end. All right. But, so, put it on the record Buck is not pro choice. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, I guess. It is funny, though. Like, And Kelly's in this really tricky position, right, where he can't, he probably wants to, but he can't complain about not having his boards because to do so would to be brand damaging 
to mm. you know firewire and his own label there because if he's saying like oh well this board off the rack isn't good enough for me then why is it good enough for the consumer yeah he should have grabbed the board from i don't know who that i identify as their biggest competitor um oh maybe he should have got back on channel islands because everybody's like oh kelly when he was on the channel islands it was better he should just hop back on grabbed like a fresh ci off there wrote that and be like shut up everybody better <laughs> on slayer designs yeah that would have been the move obviously yeah the the stock board didn't quite work out how he planned but he's already requalified for next year he wasn't really in the title race to begin with obviously after he missed the last two events anyway um so now he just gets to ride out in style in tahiti so um i think he'll be probably riding what Raymana's tow board i think so yeah or foil i think mostly these days but um I feel like you kind of just didn't weigh in on the the five fin thing, and I'm not get back get in the mix here. Come on, put it on the line. What? How do you feel? I think they, yeah. Well, okay. You know what's worse than just having a five fin setup is the people who put they cover the the fin boxes that they're not using, thinking that that little extra gap is gonna like create drag or do some other thing. So. There's layers to it. Like, yeah, like, do I love seeing a five-fin setup? No. Have I enjoyed having the option of a five-fin setup in the past? Yes. You know, I You've did had a board it. that you switch. I did it in the latest... Thruster and quad. The latest Joyride. I rode the uh, the Miso as a quad, yeah, a twin, and a thruster. That's for a Joyride. Eventually, you figure out what you think is the best, and you ride it like that. You don't switch. You don't ride the same... You don't do that long-term. <laughs> Come on. Maybe not with futures. If you, if we had FCS two and you could easily pop them in and out, yeah, you might be more inclined to do it. But yeah, futures five fin setups probably not the go. How easily, Mikey? All right, time for surfs in. We've got another snow bro showing up. Noticing a big trend here: a lot of snow bros and a lot of Kelly Slaters. A lot of Slaters, a lot of snow bros. I like it. I mean, the snow bros. I, I I'm down to just. Uh, what were we using for senselessly hate for golf? I'm down to senselessly hate just wage war on the snow bros if you are. Um, but let's hear a complex one, a complex one to identify the sin and the sinner. Fairly interesting story. Let's have a talk about the location after it's through too, because I have some theories there. Let's hear it. What is good boys? Love what you're doing with the show. Gets me through the week. Really appreciate it. Anyways, without further ado, here is my surf sin. So I was surfing on the North Shore of Oahu with a buddy at a, let's just say, overcrowded, touristy, grom-infested right-hander. And it was this evening session, beautiful evening, you know, just no wind, glassy, super fun conditions. And just a little bit of rando swell in the springtime. It was beautiful. <laughs> and I'm out with, we'll just call him a snow bro. And snow bro was kind of hanging on the inside, trying to freaking ride some white water, just kind of pussing around. And he sees this bald-headed, blue-eyed guy paddle out with a cameraman. And he's like, oh, man, I wonder who that guy is. Damn, he's pretty good. He shoots the breeze with the cameraman. The cameraman says, oh, yeah, he's pretty good, bro. <laughs> yeah, his name's Kelly. <laughs> so anyways, I'm up at the front of the point, and I'm in position, and a big set wave comes. 
and I paddle into it, I catch it, and next thing you know, Kelly Slater drops in, pops up, and absolutely burns the kid. And you know what? I rode that wave down the line and watched Kelly Slater freaking rip it to shreds, and I just wasn't mad. So tell me, is this a sin? I got burned by Kelly Slater, but I wasn't mad. Cheers, lads. Catch you next time. Where do you think this was? Uh, I think this is in Joel Tudor's favorite secret little wave on the North Shore. Ah, good point. Good point. That's got to be it. Although he said spot. point, and I don't know if I'd call it a point. And he also said this big set wave came, and I don't really know if there are big waves at that spot. Yeah, I was almost thinking Lonnie's. That could be too. No, but he said it was like a Grom spot, didn't he? Yeah, I know. So I was really trying to, I was like, when he said point, I was thinking sunset point. But then I don't think Kelly would really bother with sunset point or even that, what do they call it? Um, is it? fouls on the inside of sunset i was like thinking something like that in my head and then i went lonnie's i think i think your zone might be a good call which we can't say because joel tudor will put us in a chokehold like he did to one of the members of stab highway yep yep we can't talk about that land <laughs> uh freddy land we're talking about but anyway i do think okay so eventually he's asking if he's a sinner for not getting mad that kelly burned him right yes no that's not a sin you should be you should be thrilled if if kelly burned you that's like the best thing that could happen yeah i i think like the way i see this everybody knows that kelly slater can burn anybody that he wants anybody like it just it doesn't it's an honor it's a privilege you should be so lucky that he graced you with his presence and if you're especially lucky crop dusted you so I really think that the sin here, it, this is a, a humble brag, right? That's all this is. That's the sin. Mm. It's, it's a humble brag. Okay, yeah, so I feel like that's what you're going to address. Uh, I do just want to sneak one note in. I have a friend who grew up in Florida and has a photo of him at like 12 years old burning Kelly. And I, if it was me, I'd frame it, and it would be the first thing you see when you walk <laughs> into my house. Because how sick is it for just a 12-year-old to be burning like Kelly? I would say in his prime, but apparently his prime is lasting 25 years 30 years so anyway shout out corbin that's what a beautiful image that you've got there be proud of yourself anyway you are gonna address the sin of humble bragging have at it i'm gonna say that he has to go and he has to acquire one of those gopro nose mount things he needs to stick it onto his surfboard he doesn't have to actually buy the gopro or put it on but Ooh. just has to rock that thing on the nose of his surfboard because mm. there, there's nothing more tough yeah tough. i mean that's how you're going to learn some humility is paddling out into any lineup with that thing just plastered on your nose is there a time limit on that is it just for because that's rough i mean i think those things can kind of like really grab the fiberglass and you might be too scared to even pull it off so i'll, I'll say you keep it on for a month but you might be keeping that on for life unless you want to do some big ding repair. Okay, so I, like I said, I'm ready to just wage war on the snow bros. Uh, and so I'm just going to go after this guy uh, for not knowing who Kelly is. And, like, you can't not know who Kelly Slater is. Come on. So that's a sin. To enter the ocean not knowing who Kelly Slater is, that's a sin. That's what I'm focusing on. So the information needs to be 
this information needs to be conveyed to the snow bro and it's going to be a little bit of a weird one and it has a backstory so i remember years and years and years ago a hot yoga studio opened up in my hometown and you know a couple of my friends and i were like whoa okay this thing seems real good for you like maybe we could try it and make a surf better you know maybe meet some people who'd be interested in disrobing with us later that night give it a shot why not you know hard like what it's so hot in there and hour and a half it's really hard really challenging and then at the end they're like doing the little kind of calm you down thing whatever they call that at the end the the happy ending yeah and um you know, they uh, the teacher asks us to just bow and collectively say namaste. And I don't know why, but my buddy just says, like, everybody namaste, and it's quiet. And then my buddy just goes, Slater, out loud. <laughs> and I have no idea why. And I, like, me and my other friend, like, burst into laughter because we're, like, this guy's a bit of a wild card anyway, but to just say Slater in this like quiet setting with like 20 people in the room was just the most psychotic. Th- like, why would you do that? Um, and I still don't know why he did it, but I'm going to say Snowbro has to do the same. Hot yoga is difficult. It's a strenuous challenge. It's going to challenge you mentally, physically. And then, yeah, a lot of people are going to, everybody else in that class is be like, why did that guy just say Slater in this like awkward, in this silence thing? So uh, that's my penance. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. And if you have a surf sin of your own, feel free to drop them in our inboxes. That's michael at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com. We are always happy to hear them and even happier to deliver our penances so that you can heal. And, yeah, what else? I think that's pretty much it. Go watch Stab Highway. It is the best thing you'll see, if not this year, then at least this week. Um, Culture Shifters shortly thereafter. We've also got tons of great written content on Stab Premium. We've got a seven-day free trial still going, so if you want to go in and binge all five episodes of Stab Highway in one go, you're totally in your rights to do that. Cancel it before it charges if you want to, but I don't think you will. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of The Drop, so over and out.